This is, uh, this is my boy. This is my boy, Zeke. And uh, Zeke just turned two a few weeks ago. Hey, you say hi? You say hi? <laughs> but um, I brought him up here because la- last weekend I was in uh, I was in Moore Park at uh, at our church plant out there, and Gordy was preaching, and he preached this passage that really impacted me. It was a it was Ephesians three seventeen, where Paul prays for the church, and he says, I, "I pray that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ." Paul's prayer was, I I want you to know how much God loves you. I I pray that somehow, supernaturally, you would grasp how much God loves you. And and he he was talking about how we have no clue how much God loves us. Because it talks about how it's this love that surpasses knowledge. And... And I was thinking about, you know, my kids made me think about later how, you know, right now, as much as I love him, he has no clue, right? He, he might have some inkling, some idea. Yeah, I'm sure this guy holding me likes me. He, you know, plays with me, throws things at me, that type of stuff. I mean, I, but I, I love this guy. You know, I, I just love having a boy. I just, I don't even call him Zeke. I just call him boy all the time. Come here, boy. It just feels good. And, um, huh, right, boy? Huh? Hey boy, and, and and I was just thinking, you know, I, I I do I really believe this about God that that God has this love for me that I don't even comprehend, that He loves me so much and I don't even get it. And I, I was praying this week. I was praying for the church. I was like, Lord, you know, I, I bet you there's a bunch of people here who have no idea how much you love them, and that's why Paul prayed. A lot of times we talk about our love for God here. And I, I question you and go, do you really love God? Do you really love God? But Paul's prayer here is, do you really know how much God loves you? Do you really believe that? And uh, I, I also got to ask, does this, uh, does just, just looking at my, my son and I, does this look anything like your prayer life? Like when you pray to God, is, is this what you picture? A security, an intimacy, just a, you know, you're, you're in the arms of Almighty God. And He's your Father, He's your Daddy. When you pray, does it feel anything like that? Think about your prayer life right now. He's, he's praying in tongues right now. But... Does, does that look like your, is this, is this is your prayer life. You just go, yeah, that's totally me and God. That's totally me and God. That, that's, just, that's just God and I. We, we just, it's, uh, it's this intimate, loving relationship where I just know I'm totally secure. I have nothing to worry about. And I can just hang out. This is what God desires of our prayer lives. This is what God desires of our relationship with him. And he wants us to know how much. He loves us. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say I love you? Huh? Here, Mark, can you come and get him? This is my other son. <laughs> Actually, you might have to change him. Thank you. <laughs> Thank 
this is such important stuff because uh, this we got to get it. We got to understand that God is the one. God is the one who loves you first. I mean, what's the good news? The good news, after all, is God is pursuing you. That's the good news. I was trying to think, okay, if I could dwindle down the gospel into one sentence, what is the gospel? What is the good news? It's that God is in pursuit of you. That's the good news. It's like God loves me. God, and we got to get this. And uh, I, I struggle with this. I struggle with this. I brought a chair today and I just thought, you know, I'm going to sit down and give this message because one of my, uh, one of my biggest issues that I have in life is I have a hard time just sitting down and really believing that God is crazy about me. I always feel like I got to do something. I always feel like I, I got to prove something to him and I want to show him my love and show him that I love him back. And can, can I just sit down and really, really believe in my heart that it's God that loves me and he's the one that's been in pursuit of me. And I, I've been looking at this passage in, uh, in Galatians 1 when Paul's sharing his testimony and, and it was so good for me because if you look at Paul's life, it's obvious that God was the one that loved Paul. And God was the one that went after him. And as I was uh, studying this and I was reflecting on Gordy's message from last weekend, I thought, man, I've got a lot of issues. Like I, I and, and I, I thought, OK, I, I can't be the only one. There's probably others of you right now in this room who struggle really, really believing that God loves you. And, and that there's a reality that God loves you more than you can even comprehend Yeah, I shared a little bit last night at the end of service and uh, about how uh, I, I've, I've been realizing as I look at this passage, I've got, I've got so many insecurities myself just as a person. Um, and I don't want to get all psychological on you, but I, I know some of it is just, you know, my mom died giving birth to me. And so I always felt like my dad resented me being born. Like, I, I just really believed that if he could live his life over, um, he would have just wished I was never born. And we never had a conversation. My dad and I never had one conversation I could remember. Um, you know, when I was born, he sent me off to Hong Kong to grow up with my grandmother. And, uh, and then he got remarried and reestablished here. Um, so I moved back to the States. But then when he was, uh, or when I was like eight or nine years old, my stepmom died in a car accident. And, uh, and my dad got married again. And then he died when I was 12. And, and I, and I, I it's just the way I feel. I, I feel like he never really wanted me alive. Uh, he, he'd get so ticked off at me. Everything I did wrong, he would just go after me and just... I don't know. Maybe he loved me. Maybe he wanted me there, but it, I, I just didn't. I didn't think that way. And and so when I when I read in the Bible about God being this fatherly figure, it's hard for me to get past some of this stuff naturally. It's hard for me to just think, oh, cool, he's a father figure, and that means he loves me. And because the only picture I really have is 
is, well, well, then he's ticked off at my existence. I bug him. I do things that he still hasn't forgiven me of. And I better not do anything wrong or he'll be really angry and really punish me. And so that, that's the only picture I had in my mind of God. And then God gave me these kids. You know, he gives me my first kid, then my second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, he just gives me these kids. And that was so cool because when I first had my, my oldest daughter, Rachel, and I, and I just loved her unconditionally, and I, I, I wanted to communicate how much I loved her, and I thought she has no clue how much I care about her. She has no clue how crazy I am about her. It, it got in my head like, wow, God thinks that way about me? Like, that's what the Heavenly Father is like? And, and when I read about Paul's life, and, and you guys, I'm just getting this stuff. I mean, yesterday afternoon, I'm still getting this stuff. I, I start reflecting on, on my life and God's presence in my life. And I started thinking, wow, he really was with me all along. You know, you, you start realizing God really did pursue me. And I look back and you know what? I'm thankful for the loss of my parents. I go, wow, Lord, you made me think about the brevity of life. You made me value and cherish every moment, you know, just just not knowing if I've got tomorrow, not knowing if I've got tomorrow with my kids. And and you, you got me thinking that way. And then I, I think about high school and how God reached out to me. And he, you know, one of my my best friend at the time took me to a youth group and I, I heard about Jesus. And, and then the youth pastor kind of took me under his wing and taught me about Jesus and eventually got into ministry and. And was an absolute failure, an absolute hypocrite. And just saw how God even carried me through that time and still kept loving me through it. And and then even the, the start of this church and, you know, getting married to Lisa and, and just going, man, I didn't do that on my own. That was God just bringing the perfect person for me and God, God looking out for me, you know. And I, I just started looking through life and going, wow, he really was with me all this time. He really is this loving father. And I just took some time yesterday just reflecting over life and going, no, God's been there all along. And, and realizing, okay, I can feel secure in him. I can just surrender and go, you know what? Because I, I always have in the back of my mind, I don't know if any of you guys deal with this, but this this fear, like you don't want to get too close to someone because you're going, man, I don't know. I don't know if they really love me. I don't know if the love's really there. And and so you, you just have these doubts and then you, you kind of feel that way with God. I almost have this fear of believing that God really loves me like the Bible says. Like like that that I really can't fathom how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I've struggled believing that. Oh, come on, God. And 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 uh, you know during uh, our, our prayer time with the worship team this morning, you know Sarah was just quoting this verse about how God's thoughts about us are innumerable, and how God just can't stop thinking about us. It's just too wonderful for us to understand. And I mean, do you really believe that? I mean, can you sit there in your chair right now, not doing anything and just believing and going, God is crazy about me. I noticed Jeff over there and I still remember a few years ago I was heading out for a trip where I just wanted to be alone with God. And just when I saw your face, it reminded me of I was just heading out to the mountains. I just, you know, I wanted to just get alone with God. I just wanted to not talk to another human being and just, just be with Jesus. 
and see how long I could last out in the mountains by myself, just talking to God. And, and I didn't know where the mountains were, so Jeff had to take me and, uh, <laughs> and show me where they were. I was like, oh, okay, there they are. And uh, it kind of showed me where I could just go and not be seen by anyone. And, uh, and so I came back, and, and then as I was heading out, I remember him praying for me. And I remember his prayer. He says, he goes, Francis, he says, God, I'm so excited for Francis because I know how he just wants to be alone with you for a few days. And then he prayed and he said, and I'm so happy for you, God, because I know how you've wanted this time with Francis. And I remember when he prayed that, I didn't say anything to him, but I thought, that's wrong. You know, like, it just felt blasphemous to me. It really did. I, I, I felt like you can't say that. You can't say God's in heaven wanting this time with Francis. I mean, because that, that was my perspective. And I remember even leaving for the mountains with that thought in mind. It's like, okay, I'm pursuing God here. And Jeff's prayer really bothered me because I didn't believe it. And, and I really was like looking through scripture trying to refute him in some ways. Because the prayer just echoed in my mind. And I thought, God doesn't want this time with me. God's not longing to hear from me. And as the more I studied the scriptures, the more I go, oh, that is true. Like, God's the one that's after me. God's the one that's in pursuit of me. And, and still, even now, years later, I'm like still grappling with this, still struggling with it. But it, it's, it's just been helpful being in the word of God. And, and I don't know if you guys, some of you are sitting here going, what on earth is he talking about? And others of you are going, man, I totally get that. I totally know what he's talking about. Um, And I, I, I don't, I don't want to say I've got all these scars and wounds that I'll never get over. I, I'm, what I'm saying is, as I look over my relationship with God, it's really looking at Him closely and what He's done in my life that's enabled me to get over this stuff. Where I'm going, God, no, this isn't coincidence. The way my life turned out, I'm looking at everything. Go, no, you had a piece in everything. And, and, and the reason why this passage hit me so hard was. Paul here, Paul's being attacked by people. And people are saying, come on, Paul's not the real deal. Remember the people are teaching a new gospel. And they're saying, come on, Paul didn't know what he's talking about, this love of God stuff. You, you got, yeah, Jesus loves you. He died for you. But you got to do this, 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 and this. And Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. He just heard a few things from a few people. And so then he kind of exaggerated and on and on and on. He's not a real apostle. He's not this. He's not that. And what Paul writes here in Galatians is he's writing to the church. He's going, what are you talking about? The stuff I'm teaching you isn't just stuff that someone told me. And I wasn't a part of this thing where people instructed me to believe a certain way. He goes, the stuff I experienced, I got directly from God. He goes, the gospel I'm sharing with you, that came out of the mouth of God straight to me and I am sharing it with you. It's not just stuff that I learned from other people. And he just kept defending how, no, this has been about God and me. It's about me and my relationship with God. And the things that he has taught me over the years. And and it's such a great passage because it, it makes us all in this room go, okay, am I in this room really because it's about God and me? Or am I here because of my parents, because of my friends, because it was just my upbringing? 
Or can I say that, no, 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 no one in this room can convince me that there is no God and that God doesn't love him because I have such an amazing relationship with God. My wife can't talk me out of it. My kids can't talk me out of it. No one. Francis, you can't stand up on that stage and tell me there's no God. I don't care if you change and tell me there's no God. I know there is one because of this relationship I've had with him. It's about he and I. We're in love. Can you really say that today? Is it about you and God? Paul, Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, he goes, I want you to know, brothers. He goes, the gospel I preached isn't something that man made up. He goes, I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. So Paul's saying here, he goes, you guys are saying that I'm hearing stuff from other people. He goes, he goes, what do you, what do you mean I'm just following people? What do you mean I'm just listening to people? He goes, that's what I used to do. Paul says, come on, you remember me. You guys know me. Paul had a reputation. Paul says, you remember me? I'm the one that was trying to destroy the church. That was my goal. That was, that was Paul's goal. I'm going to kill this church because I don't believe in this Jesus Christ. He goes, that was me. He goes, I was zealous for the traditions of my father's. He goes, I've got this generation, I've got this lineage of these traditions, these things we're supposed to do, these religious acts. He goes, and so I was doing that. That's when I was a people pleaser. I was just doing what my parents wanted. I was just doing what people wanted me to do. He goes, in fact, he goes, man, I had everything going for me. He says, I was advancing. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews my own age. Paul was this brilliant student of the rabbi Gamaliel. He was on his way. He was, he was one of the most well-respected young rabbis of his time. And he was out trying to persecute the church. He goes, that's what pleasing people got me. That's what I did when I just listened to people. He goes, but then when God... But when God got a hold of me, and I want us to look at the story. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. Because Paul's conversion experience is amazing. Most of you guys know it, but I, I, it was just good for me to read through again and just be reminded of how God went after Paul, who at that time his name was Saul. God later changes it to Paul. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. 
As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Okay. So you got the picture? Saul is, he's gotten orders now. He went to the high priest. He goes, hey, can I get letters so that if I find anyone belonging to this way and this Jesus thing, I, I can arrest them. I can kill them. I mean, his point, like he says in Galatians, I wanted to destroy. I wanted to put into extinction the church of Jesus Christ. So this is Saul, and he's going after these Christians. You read a couple of chapters earlier in, in chapter 7 when Stephen was stoned and Saul was there giving his approval. That's right. Kill him. Let's kill these Christians. Let me get some orders because I want to kill more of these Christians. And so he's minding his own business, going after pleasing his family, pleasing, pleasing his ancestors, everything else. He goes, and suddenly this light strikes me. I'm walking with these guys looking for more Christians to persecute. And suddenly I am blinded. And I hear a voice from heaven saying, why are you persecuting me? Okay, my question to you right now is, what did Saul do to deserve that? Why did God reach out to Saul and say, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to speak to him. I'm going to turn him around. I'm going to show him the truth about me. Why did he do that? Was it because Saul was such a good person? Was it because Saul was a person that sought after God? No, in fact, if you read in Galatians, remember the last verse we read last week, uh, Galatians 1.10, it says, if I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. See, Paul was just trying to please men. Here he was, he was pursuing the traditions of his fathers. He goes, I was doing what people wanted me to do, but then suddenly God got a hold of my life. That's his story. Now, some of you in this room may think, well... Maybe God went after Saul because he saw that at least he was passionate about something. That God looked down on the earth and said, look, you know, here's a guy that at least he's passionate. At least he's passionate about God. Even though he doesn't know what he believes right now, at least he's passionate. Maybe that's why he went after Saul. Those thoughts have ran through my mind before. But what does Paul say in Galatians 1? Galatians 1 verse 15. But when God... Who set me apart from what? Birth. Wait, wait. God set him apart from birth? So from the time that, that he was born, God already decided he was going to go after Saul. Like God, God said, you know what? This is what's going to happen in this guy's life. Like God had it all charted out. See, that's nuts. I mean, the first time I encountered that, I never really remembered that about Paul. The first time I encountered something like that was when I was on that trip up in the mountains. And, and God just opened up the Bible and just kind of fell on Jeremiah chapter 1, a passage I had never really studied before. 
I'd read through it, but I never really looked at it. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says to Jeremiah in verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Think about that for a second. God says to Jeremiah, listen, before I even put you together in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I already set you apart to be a a prophet to the nations. It's about this eternal plan and this eternal relationship. What did Jeremiah do to, to deserve that? Then this week I was reflecting on John the Baptist. What about John the Baptist? This started before him. It was with his dad in Luke chapter 1. In verse 13, it says, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, saying to to John the Baptist's dad, Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. He'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll never take wine or ferment a drink, and he will be filled. Listen, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What did John the Baptist do to be so blessed that he could have the Holy Spirit even from birth? What did he do? Same thing Jeremiah did, right? Same thing Saul did, right? Same thing I did, right? Same thing you did. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, that's why God uses these examples. He goes, don't you understand? This was from birth I went after these people. And maybe some of you in this room still go, well, maybe he was a great embryo. You you know, know, I mean, because it's hard. It's like... I got to do something. There's got to be some reason. Is it really God just pouring out his grace on me as an individual? Why did he why did he do this for me? Because he loves you. He just chose to love you. That's why Paul says I was set. He set me apart from birth and called me by his grace. By his grace. Remember grace, grace. That's what this is about. Remember a couple weeks ago, my sermon was called grace. This one's called Grace, Grace. You can guess what next week's message is. Because this is what the book of Galatians is about. It's about, man, I didn't do anything. This has happened from, from, from time I was... I mean, think about your life right now. I mean, why are you in this room? Is it really because you were a person that's just always pursued God and you always wanted to know God? And and, and so you started studying all these different religions and then you found truth. And and in this pursuit of God, here you are because you just went after him, went after him, went after him. Or is the story really that you were born into a Christian home? You're just kind of put there. Or maybe you were born in an unbelieving home and, and, and some friend just came to you and started sharing this stuff about about Jesus and or, or maybe you went through something in life to get you to think about eternal things, to think about God. I mean, was it really you that went after God? Or really, was your story like Saul? Where, where what, could, what else is Saul going to do? God struck him blind. 
God told him, look, you are persecuting me. And so unless you do what I'm going to tell you to do, you're going to have to walk around blind. Saul almost didn't even have any choice in the matter. It's like God just going, I'm going to love you and I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to get you. I am going to get your attention somehow. I'm going to pull you to myself because I love you and I want you. When my kid Zeke was born, he doesn't really have a choice. He's going to be loved by me. That's just, he just got lucky. Okay? He, he, he just happened to have a dad that just, that's just gonna pour out his grace on him. I mean, really, take some time this week, evaluate your life, and look back at all the things, and don't you see the hand of God through it all? This isn't about us. This isn't about you being so good, so you ended up here, and now you're doing good works in the, in the name of Jesus Christ. From beginning to finish, it's God, 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 God. And it's his grace, 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 grace. And that ought to give us security, 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 security. Like, wow, he has always loved me. He has always been there. I couldn't have got to this point by myself. He brought me here. And if he began this good work in me, he's going to carry it to completion. And I ought to just sit around all day basking in the love of Jesus instead of trying to prove my love to him. I want to do good things, you know, in his name. It's a joy to serve him. But it's got to be about that. And it can't be about me working to earn some approval. Because the truth is, is God's shown me that he's loved me from the start. And so why do I now have to earn it? And that's why, that's why Saul or Paul says here, he goes, he goes, that's why when God called me, he says, I didn't consult any man. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. I just went immediately into Arabia. See, God, God told, told Saul, you're going to go and speak to these Gentiles. And, and he had such an experience, he just thought, you know what? I'm going to go then. He goes, I didn't go and check, hey, Peter, James, John, is it cool if I do this? He goes, I didn't consult any man. I heard the voice of God. God went after me. And so I just went after him. And I just started, I immediately, he says, I just went and did what God wanted me to do. And I love that because it's so different from us. We like to procrastinate. We're like, well, I think God's leading me to this, but let me go check with Francis. Let me go ask Todd. Let me see if the church is going to do anything down that road anyways. It's like, no, you guys, if God's calling you to do something, you don't need to consult anyone. Just go for it. If you know it's God, you know it's biblical, go for it. You want, you want some advice? You want some encouragement? Yeah, come to us. But there comes a time when, man, I dream. I really dream. I dream of the day when everyone in this room wakes up, let's say tomorrow morning, on a Monday morning. Here's my dream. Everyone wakes up Monday morning and you alone come before Almighty God. You yourself. Without me, you don't have to call, hey, friends, what does God want me to do today? No, but you, just before Almighty God, you just read His Word and you say, God, what does that mean to me? What do you want me, your created being? You know, the one you knit together in His mother's womb, the one you knew before you you even put me in my mother's womb, the one who's loved me all along. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? And I'm going to go after that. Man, that would be such a rush. I mean, can you just imagine if every single person at Cornerstone Church really heard from God in the morning and just said, I I don't care what anyone else thinks. 
This is between God and I, and I'm going to go for it because everything I see is this is coming out of the word of God. And he wants me to do this, and I'm going to go for it. Because if we all did that, the spirit would give such a sense of unity. If we all really heard from the spirit, there would be incredible unity in this place. And we'd all use our God-given gifts like Todd was preaching about last week. And as amazing as the church is right now, man, if we all individually, and I know a lot of you do already. But if everyone did it, every part of the body sought after God and said, okay, what do you want me to do for your body, for this city, for this planet? If we all could obey like uh, like Saul did. You know, I want to show you something. Um, a, a couple weeks or three weeks ago when I when I spoke, I was talking about the human trafficking and uh and after this service, after the nine o'clock service, a guy came up to me, he goes, oh, my friend's coming next service. And this is what she does. I'm like, no way. I go, that's so cool. Anyways, I, I saw him in the front row with his friend. And so during the offering time at the end, rather than singing, I was like, hey, it's not sing. And I invited this girl up and I had no clue anything about her. I just felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And, uh, and I want to show you the video from that service. And so just, just uh, look at the screen and, and watch what happened. Do you mind coming up here? Would that embarrass you? I don't even, I don't even know if you speak English. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you were... Uh... Oh, you're from here. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to brush up on my tie. Uh, what, what's your name? Lana. 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 I, I, I just... This is first I saw her. I just heard about you through Matt. What exactly do you do? Well, we had a children's home where we rescued children from prostitution. Since then, um, I found pastors that have taken over the home. So now we go where the children come out of prostitution, which is in Burma. Okay. We go inside Burma, and we're in the war zone area where they actually traffic them. And we're starting a war zone orphanage where we can stop them before they get into Thailand. Right on. I just feel like more appropriate than um, singing a song at the end. I just thought, wow, you know, I, you think it's coincidence that you came this weekend? <laughs> and not the only time, you know, it's just like a... He called me this morning. He said, you have to get over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just think she's here so that we can pray for her and support her ministry in some way. And uh, we'll figure that out. We'll figure out the details after service. But I, I just thought right now, oh, we're kind of taking an offering, so... I guess I'll talk for a little while. No, no, keep keep taking an offering. Why don't you tell us more here? How, how, how did you uh, start in this ministry? Um, I heard some missionaries, they had started Bible schools, and they saw child prostitution all over in the Philippines, in Thailand. Those were the number one places mm-hmm. for it, mm-hmm. and in Africa. And so they said, we have to stop it. And they said, you're, and I had been praying, I knew I was called to orphans. And they said, you're going to go over and start the first children's home. You're going to pioneer the first one. And that was six and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And then they handed it over to me. And then in the process, the Lord told me, you know, we're, we're kind of just putting band-aids on the problem, but we have to get to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the root of the problem is the other countries that... In, especially in Burma, it's a very, you see it now in the yeah. news, everything going on, and that is where the children are coming from, from Burma. And it's from the war, it's from AIDS, it's from the military jantas mm-hmm. selling the children. And so the Lord has opened up a door for us to get into the war zone area with the Buddhist rebel soldiers, to, and they, they love us, and so they've, yeah. they've protected us, and they've asked us to start a war zone orphanage and get to the children before they even come across the border. Wow, wow. Now, now tell us... Uh... Because we still got a couple minutes. <laughs> um, 
Tell, tell me your testimony. How did, how did you come to know Christ? I was actually a go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood. I was into drugs and alcohol and had seizures from all the drugs I did. And I was on my way to a club, and somebody invited me to Victory Outreach in no Eagle way. Rock. My cousin, and my, they come here, actually. They invited me when I was 19 years old to Victory Outreach in Eagle Rock, and I heard about Jesus for the very first time in my life, and I gave my life to him. And <laughs> I just love this story because, first of all, it was just kind of a shock. I didn't know anything about this girl, but just for her to say, yeah, just 19 years old, a go-go dancer in Hollywood, and uh, someone walking around, someone from our church that invited her to church back then, and uh, she was changed. She was rescued, and immediately... She went and, and moves out to Thailand to start rescuing these other people. And I thought, wow, that's, that's so much like the Apostle Paul. It's just like this, this crazy transformation that took place. And then you, you, because you were rescued, you went out and immediately just went and did what God was calling you to do. And I just, I just love that story. I love that testimony. But again, it's just another picture of what did she do to deserve this relationship with God? Nothing. Right? She was going her own way. Just doing her thing. And then God went after her. From, from someone here. Went after her. And said, no, come, let me tell you about Jesus. There's a better way than, than the way that you're living. And, and when she found him, it was so real to her that it's like, it, it didn't matter what everyone else was doing in America. She goes, this is what I'm going to do. Because this is what I, I believe God wants me to do. And she just went after it. I, I just love that story. And, and at the end of it, what do we do? We praise God, right? We go, wow, God, thanks for rescuing Lana. <laughs> Such a killer story. I'm meeting with her this week and just, just kind of talking through, you know, how we can support her better as a church as she goes back to Burma. But I just go, God, thank you for what you did in her life. It's, it's about him. It's, it, see, that's what Paul says at the end of this. Let me just close with this. He says, after that happened, he goes, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Paul goes, look, this isn't about a bunch of apostles coming after me and brainwashing me. He goes, I didn't even meet these guys till years later. He goes, the only thing they knew about me was that's the guy that was trying to kill us. And now he's on our side. And, and the, the end goal was, he says, and they praised God because of me. I love that because it didn't say, and they praised me. Because of what I did. They praise God because of me. And isn't that, shouldn't that be the goal of all of our lives? Where people look at your life and go, God, thank you for doing that in his life. Thank you for doing that in Lana's life so that now she can minister to all these people and minister to all of us and everyone else is going to be watching this. You go, God, thank you. Thank you for doing that because that fires me up. Do people look at your life and say, wow. 
praise God for you. He really loved you. He really went after you. And I know some of you where God's just gone after you, gone after you, gone after you. And it's such a beautiful thing. And now you're here in love with Jesus. And you give all the glory to God. You guys, here's what I I want us to do. Um, My my whole goal this morning was was the same as Paul's where he says, I just pray that you, you would just be able to have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I just want you to leave here secure today. I want you to look back at your life and go and realize, God, it was you all along. It was you all along pursuing me, pursuing me, pursuing me. Even when I was rebellious against you, even when I hated you, even when I mocked people who followed you, You still went after me, and here I am today. And my prayer is that, you know, you would so be so secure in that and so secure in your relationship with God that you would just hear from him and and pursue whatever he wants you to do, knowing that you're secure in that. For some of you, maybe you need to get baptized today because you realize for the first time, wow, so God loved me. He loved you so much. That's why he sent his son. His son came down here to go after you. To pay for all the sins in your life. And die on a cross for you. And he brought some friend into your life to bring you here to church. Or maybe you heard something on television or something. And it's because God took a hold of my life. So that I could give some message. That may be connected with you. I don't know how he got you here. But he got you here. Make no mistake about it. It's an awesome thing. I mean it's, a, it's an outrageous thing. To think that God is pursuing me. Think about that. Just 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 try to say that phrase in your mind. God is in pursuit of me. It's a crazy crazy thought. And so Matt's Matt's going to come up and lead us in worship and he asked me this week. He goes he goes is there any song that comes to your mind when you think about this message? Is there a song that you'd like us to sing? And, and at first I was like, no. But then the more I thought about it, I go, oh, no, there's a perfect song. There's a song. There's something I would love to say to God at the end of this message. And it's a song we've sung before that's real simple where we just say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for finding me. Thank you for healing me. It, because it's just, I mean, it, doesn't that just sum everything up? God, you found me. I wasn't even looking for you. If anything, I was running from you. I was just doing my own thing and you sought me out. You found me and then you loved me and then you saved me and then you healed me and then you heard me. It's just you, 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 you went after me. And I just want to say that to God right now. I want us all to say that and confess that we're not a bunch of good people that just went after God in this room. He went after us. He set us apart from birth. And that's why we're in this room in love with Jesus. It's because of his grace, his grace.